Well, once again, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossroads Christian Church. We're so glad you're here with us today, whether you're here at our Newburgh campus or watching with us online. Like your host said, my name is Ross, and uh, for the past five years, I've had the honor of being the youth pastor here at Crossroads. And uh, today, we're going to go ahead and jump into the Word of God. If you are following along with us, uh, I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 19 is where we're going to go. John chapter 19. And while you're turning there, would you do me a favor? Would you kind of just, because we're living in a world where we have to wear masks and we're not talking to people as much, we're not hugging people. Find someone in the room if you're here at Newburgh and just wave at them. Just wave at them. Let's say hi to each other (laughs) this morning. Um, John chapter 19, we are going to be looking at today. And if you're taking uh, notes with me, the title of this message is, I remember, I remember. Would you pray with me as, uh, as we dive into this message today? Father, I thank you so much for everybody uh, who is under the sound of my voice right now, everybody who's here at a Newburgh campus or anybody watching online. God, I pray that today you would help me to communicate your word clearly and effectively and that we would end our time better than we started here today. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Just quickly by a show of hands, or you can say that's me in our chat online. How many of you are big movie fans? Anybody love movies like me? I'm a huge movie buff. I love going to the movies, which we can't really do right now, but I enjoy watching movies a whole lot, especially quotable movies. You know what I'm talking about? Like the kind of movies where you and your friend can almost quote every single line and you can just remember so much about a movie because of the really good phrases, the things that you'll remember forever. It's like in the movie Titanic, right? Where the ship has gone down and now they're in the ice cold water and Jack is looking into Rose's eyes and he says, don't ever let go, Rose. Don't ever let go. And the next morning, she lets go. <laughs> and, and you hear her saying, Jack, come back. Come back. And I'm thinking, girl, he could have come back if you would have scooted over and let him up on the thing too. You know what I'm saying? He would have stayed warm. But instead, you know, you know anyway. Um, how many of you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? You know, the famous line after he's running, he comes in the door. <sighs> You complete me. And she responds by saying, you had me at hello. Anybody remember that movie? It's the famous lines that make it. And it's usually under times of great victory or under intense pressure. This even happens in human history. I mean, it is the way that it goes. The things that we remember, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. It's, it's the days like, hey, this day will forever live in infamy. This is, this is the kind of stuff we always remember. How about Martin Luther King Jr. when he stands up in Washington and he declares, I have a dream. Great victory, but also intense pressure. It reminds me of the cross, a day where Jesus had great victory, but he was under intense pressure. And he uttered his most famous words when he said, it is finished. It is finished. 
That's what the Bible makes me do. That's what the cross makes me do. It makes me remember. And so I want to ask if you'll indulge me here uh, this morning for just a little while as we recall, rehearse, and remember the cross. Picture it almost on a movie screen as we go back in time to the most important moment in human history. When a man is strung up on a cross between two thieves there as the crowd makes fun of him and mocks him. His followers have scattered like roaches when you turn the lights on and he's there in the heat of the day. This was a political assassination with spiritual ramifications. He's there in the hot sun being mocked by the people that pass him by, being mocked by soldiers. His friends have passed him by. You, you would have actually been able to hear him because he was strung up on the cross. He needed to push up just to get leverage to <gasps> gasp for every single breath that he took. And he was stripped bare for the world to see. Isn't it strange that the one who said he came to save the world won't save himself? He isn't fighting to validate or verify himself in any way. What is it that caused him to stay up on the cross? Was he a fake, phony? Was he a fraud? How did a man with such great potential, who started out with such great passion and, and purpose, how did, he, how did he end up like this? For the people that stood there and mocked him and made fun of him, it's, it's almost like they couldn't remember. Like the cross made them forget, made them forget all the things that were said about him and all the things that he actually fulfilled, all the things that he actually did. I mean, where was the guy that day that said, look, I know I had a friend, he had a hand, it was withered and he couldn't use it. And all of a sudden Jesus spoke and all of a sudden it started to work again. How, where was the guy who said, I saw a man that had been blind his entire life. And that guy who's up on the cross, he spit in the dirt, made mud, rubbed it on his eyes and he could see all of a sudden again? Where was the guy who said, no, 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 I saw it with my own eyes. This man walked on the water, but instead they're there that day and it's like they, they failed to remember. And now they're treating him just like he's one of them. Looks pretty regular now. He was supposed to be spiritual and supernatural, but he looks ordinary, doesn't he? Did you believe any of that stuff? Nah, did you? Um, I, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. No, I mean, look at him now. He, he, he won't save himself. He won't come up off the cross. It's like the cross made them forget. I'll tell you what the cross makes me remember, though. The cross makes me remember Easter. The cross makes me remember like waking up Easter Sunday and I mean, I'm wearing the outfit that I never, ever, ever want to wear ever again because my parents picked it out two months ahead of time. I'm bright orange and checkered everywhere. I got the shoes on that if I take a wrong step, I'm gonna slip and fall at any moment. I got a bolo tie on and my parents have used so much gel. I've got a bald spot right in the middle of my head. Like that's the way I remember 
the cross. I grew up in church and I, I remember the way that it was. I mean, before you walked into the sanctuary, it was shh. If you had gum in your mouth, your mom would be standing right there at the door. Mm-hmm. Spit it out. Spit it out. There was a certain reverence that you kept when you walked into the sanctuary. We weren't there just to hang out with friends. We weren't there to be entertained. We weren't there to criticize or critique the message or the sermon or, 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 or any of the songs that the band was singing. We didn't come here for that. We came to experience the power and the presence of God. Could it be that we failed to remember the wonder the holiness of God, what the cross actually means. This is, after all, the, the God who makes mountains tremble. This is the God who speaks and a universe appears. This is the God who put his hand in the dirt and he created you and I. He is holy. Friends, I think it's time that we remember who he is, what he's done, how he saved us, how he set us free, how he's made us new. And at the cross, Jesus, it's recorded in all four gospels, Jesus makes about seven definitive, never forget kind of statements. The things you can quote and they'll make you remember. Today in John chapter 19, we're going to be looking three, at three of the statements that Jesus made on the cross in John chapter 19. And if you have your Bibles, John chapter 19, starting in verse 26, this is what it says. Jesus, remember now, is on the cross. And it says, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, we know this is John, standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Point one, if you're taking notes with me this morning, is this. The cross makes me remember, I remember the importance of community. I remember the importance of community. Isn't it amazing that right in the middle of all that Jesus is going through, he's there on the cross, he's enduring pain that's never been felt before, yet he has the wherewithal to look down and notice John and his mom. John and, and Jesus' mom, they weren't related, but, but, but Jesus was telling them now, because I'm up here, you, you, are, you are related he says to John, take care of her. He says to his mother, he's going to take care of you. Can I be honest with you? If I'm Jesus in that moment, I ain't got time for John. I don't. I wouldn't have had the wherewithal. I wouldn't have been able to think about anybody else other than Peter and Judas. I would have been plotting how I was going to get back at them. I wouldn't have had time for John. I would have been so mad. But Jesus stops in the middle of his struggle, in the middle of his pain, and he does in his death what he always did in his life. He was taking two people from two different households and telling them they were now a part of the same family. You see, they didn't have Medicare back then, and so it was custom that the younger son would actually take care of his mother when, he reached a certain, when she reached a certain age. 
And because Jesus was dying, he was making sure that his mom was going to be taken care of. Mary would now move out of her home and go be with John in his home. Friends, this is what Jesus has done for us. He's given us a new family. Because of the finished work of Jesus, please understand today, it does not matter your age, race, it does not matter where you come from, what side of the tracks you are on, or what your blood type is. We are all united as one community, one body, one family as the, in the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what he has done for us. We are one family because of what he's done for us. The cross, it makes me remember Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, there's a man named Cleopas and an unnamed companion. And they are walking on a road from the scene of the cross. They've just seen the one that they thought was the one die. And now they're having a conversation trying to figure out what's next. What I love about it, though, is on the way in the opposite direction, Jesus catches up to them. (laughs) And he begins to have a conversation with them. The funny thing is they don't know that it's Jesus. But they all of a sudden have this moment after Jesus has already left them. They go, wait, 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 wait a second. That was God. You ever have a moment like that in your life before where you look back, you can't always see it when it's happening, but you look in hindsight and you realize That was God. That was God that he broke up with me because he wasn't that good looking and he was broke anyway. You know what I'm saying? You don't always see it on the road, but sometimes you see it in reverse, don't you? You look back 10 years later, you see a photo on Facebook. You're like, thank you, Lord Jesus. This is the way it works. But I think what's very interesting is what we are gonna read here in Luke chapter 24 Verses 32 through 33 about Cleopas and his friend. It says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Do you see a trend? I'm gonna keep reading. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together. Please understand something very important here. Notice that their revelation of Jesus is not complete from just their conversation with him, but in the context of their conversation with each other. It was when they were talking with each other that they actually realized who Jesus was. What's the point, Ross? You cannot complete the cross without community. You cannot complete the cross without community. The cross is not complete without community. That's why I love it when I hear Christians say things like, you know, all I need is Jesus. Forget them. All I need is, you've seen the t-shirts before? All I need is Jesus and coffee. Listen, I understand the spirit of that. I know what we mean, but I think it's very significant that Jesus reveals himself to people at the same time, two people at the same time. And they figure out it's Jesus through conversation with one another. 
Friends, when we say things like, all I need is Jesus, what we're really saying is, I'm comfortable with my Christianity as long as it's limited just between me and an invisible God so I don't have to deal with people and they don't have to deal with me. That way I can fashion for myself a God who will validate all of my negative thinking and my bad behavior and I don't have to have any accountability about it. Jesus is making it very, very clear here in Luke chapter 24 and in John 19 that we need each other. We see Jesus on the cross and he's speaking to John and to Mary and saying, you're a part of the same family now. And he says the same thing to you and I today, that we are in this thing together, that we are better when we are together, that we are stronger when we are together. We need to be in community with each other and you cannot do this life alone. You'll understand me more if you do this together. You'll grow more if you do this together. You'll be better if you do this together. Don't do this thing called life and the Christian life especially alone. Has COVID-19 not taught us this? I mean, come on, some of us, we're going through some of the worst seasons of our life and the only thing that's changed is you lost community. That's the only thing that's really changed in a lot of our lives is community. I have to implore you, if you have not yet gotten involved in a small group here at Crossroads, please do it. It will change your life to have conversations, to dissect scripture, to talk about life with like-minded believers that are gonna encourage you, that are gonna strengthen you, that are gonna build you up, that are gonna be there for you when tough times hit home, man. That's church, that's Christianity. That's exactly what Jesus had in mind that day on the cross. And later on in verse 28, it says later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus's lips. Point two of the message this morning is this. I remember that he relates to my humanity. Not only do I remember that I, I, we, we need community, but I remember that he relates to my humanity. I think it's odd though that the one who said he was living water now is asking for a drink. How can living water need water? Practically speaking, I mean, Jesus has been carrying an 80 pound cross across six and a half football fields to Golgotha. In the heat of the day, and that's enough to be thirsty, but how many of you know it's a lot heavier when you're not only carrying a cross, but you're carrying the sins of the world? Of course he's thirsty. What's interesting though is that this isn't the first time Jesus mentions that he's thirsty and wants a drink. It makes me remember John chapter four. 
John chapter four, Jesus is in the land of Samaria, a place that usually a Jew would not go, but he's there as the disciples are in town. Jesus sits alone at a well and he waits for a woman, a woman who would come to that well in the heat of the day at a time where no one else would go to the well to draw water. Why? Because this woman had a reputation in town. She was ashamed of who she was. She wanted to get there and have nobody be at the well, but Jesus was. In a conversation with her, Jesus tells her, if you drink from the water at this well, you will thirst again. But if you drink from the water that I give, living water, you will never thirst again. The woman is intrigued and she's thinking to herself, I want this, are there free refills? How do I get it? How does this work? And he says, go get your husband. Jesus is setting her up in a way. She goes, um, I, I, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have a husband. He goes, I know you don't. You've had five, and the guy that you're with right now isn't your husband. And it would be easy. I've, I've preached this before. I've read this story, and I go, ooh, you got called out, girl. Get her, Jesus. But the truth is, for you and I to do that, we'd be wrong because... We all drink from somewhere, don't we? We all do something to quench our thirst. Why else would you continue to be texting her back? Why else would you be comparing your mom's skills to other moms on Facebook to either validate yourself or to feel worse about yourself? Why else would you go online and spend money that you do not have? Why else would you put pressure on your kids to do things that you never did? We all drink from somewhere, don't we? We can judge this woman, but please know this woman is us. And I was contrasting these two stories, John 4 and John 19, and I thought to myself, wait a second, Jesus is contradicting himself here. Because in John 4, he says, you'll never thirst again. And a little bit later in John 19, he says, I'm thirsty. Why is Jesus contradicting himself until I realized, hold up, wait a second, Jesus is actually validating scripture. And actually Jesus isn't the one doing it, it's the people persecuting him. The scripture that actually Jesus is fulfilling here is found in Psalm 69 verse 21. It says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. I love the idea that Jesus, you know, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but he fulfilled over 300 prophecies while he was living. And I just imagine Jesus being on the cross, everybody there mocking him, thinking, we got him. He isn't going to fulfill them all. He's sitting on 299, and it's not going to happen. He can't do anything while he's up there on the cross. And Jesus says, I don't have to do anything. You're going to do it for me. I'm thirsty. And and the, the very people that are persecuting Jesus fulfill Scripture. I love this. I just imagine Jesus taking a sip of this disgusting tasting, watered down vinegar kind of wine and going, thank you. Because it might have tasted like vinegar, but Jesus was experiencing victory. It might have looked like he was being served vinegar, but actually the scriptures were just being verified. 
Jesus came to fulfill every single need, not only in the Bible, but also in the life of you and I. Why did Jesus thirst? So that you and I would never thirst again. Why did he hurt? So that you and I would never hurt again. Why did he experience pain? So that you and I could experience purpose. This is the God who fulfills all of our needs. And in identifying with our humanity, Jesus actually reveals to us his divinity. In identifying with our humanity, Jesus reveals his divinity. And it was only after this that he said in verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said the famous line, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Point three of the message this morning is this. I remember the grace that's always been with me. I remember my need for community. I know that he identifies with my humanity. And I remember the grace that's always been with me. What happens next in the story is actually very interesting. Pilate is asked to give the order to have the legs of the prisoners, of the men on the cross, broken. Why do their legs need to be broken? Because really their legs are the only way they can get leverage and breathe. If you break their legs, they're going to die a lot quicker. They break the legs of the two thieves on the cross next to Jesus, but by the time they get to Jesus, they realize he's already dead. So they pierce his side. Further, further validating scripture. And I have to understand this. Why were they trying to speed up the process? Why were they trying to hurry these guys along and get them dead? Because normally when someone was hanging on a cross, they'd be there for days, sometimes weeks. But on this day, they're trying to hurry it up. You want to know why? Because it's Passover. And these religious people have to get a move on with their life. They have to get a move on because they're ready to have dinner with their families. After all, it's a holiday. They're celebrating and they miss Jesus. They missed him. They were the church people. They grew up in the synagogues. They knew the prophecies. They knew the stories that had been told about this Messiah that would one day come and save the world. And here he is and they missed him. Grace in human form. Grace in the flesh. And they said, yeah, just move to the side. We got things to do. It makes me remember Galatians chapter 2. It says you've set aside the grace of God. Powerful words. How does anyone set aside the grace of God? How do you and I set aside the grace of God? I'll tell you how. It just gets old. The grace of God, it, it, it just gets old. It becomes a phrase. It becomes religious jargon. It becomes Christianese. Oh, the grace of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, got it. Yep, mm -hmm. when are we getting to the good stuff? You set aside the grace of God by just letting it get old, something that should never get old, but it does. We know something might be wrong on the inside of us when we hear, what's that scripture again? For God so loved the world. Yeah, 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 I know that one. Yeah, 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 I've heard that before. You know, I grew up in church like 
many of you here in the room or many of you watching online. And we know the songs. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Amazing grace, how sweet to say, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. I know the Bible stories. We did the felt board thing. I've heard all the prophecies. I know the scriptures. I went to the church camps. We know the drill. But the culture we live in, we sometimes, can we admit, we sometimes go, yeah, 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 grace of God. Uh-huh, when are we getting to the other stuff, though? Amazing grace, how sweet, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Is that all we're going to talk about? When are we going to get to the deep cuts of Scripture? Like, when are we going to get a well-balanced diet of what Scripture really means, Ross? Friends, is the grace of God not enough? Is his love not enough? Is what he's done for us not enough. I think one of the greatest challenges that we will face as Christians in the long haul is our ability to rehearse, recall, and remember what we have in Jesus. Have you ever heard that phrase, hindsight is 2020? I can't prove to you that this is God, right? But I'm writing this message and I really felt like the Lord implanted like that old saying in my mind. Hindsight is 2020. We're in the year 2020. I don't know what that means, but. Instantly, when I felt the Lord kind of drop that in my spirit, I, I looked ahead in John. We're in John chapter 19, but I skipped ahead to John chapter 20, verse 20. And I want to read to you what it says. Jesus has risen from the dead, and it says this. He's revealing himself to the disciples. After this. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were what? Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Oh, if they could have seen this was coming. Oh, if they knew that this was going to be how the story ends, they wouldn't have scattered when Jesus went to the cross. They would have remembered. They would have seen it coming. So they wouldn't have ended up running. They would have all been there at the foot of the cross and the crowd that was there, they wouldn't have been mocking them. They would have been worshiping him. They wouldn't have given him vinegar wine. They would have given him the finest wine. This was his greatest moment, but they didn't have hindsight. Hindsight's 2020. The problem is that we can't see what's coming, friends. You know that? We can't see what's coming. We only know what's right now. And again, we know the jargon. We know the lingo. God is good all the time. When what we really want to say is God is good sometime. Because the truth is we're going, look, I know, I know, I, I know what the scriptures say. He's got a plan for me, but right now things aren't good for me. Yeah, he's given me a hope in the future, but right now I still don't have the job I want. Always oh, for me and not against me. It doesn't seem that way because my marriage is falling apart. I know what's supposed to be coming, but the truth is right now, things aren't good. Friends, maybe that's the point though. Maybe if I want to remember how good God is, if I want to know if he's for me, 
not against me, if I want to know that he still loves me, maybe I don't need to look at my current situation. But instead, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to remember. I'm supposed to look back. When I look back over my past five years here at Crossroads, I remember community. I remember the past five years here at Crossroads, I've gone through some of the toughest years of my life, personally and professionally. And in those times, I had friends and I had people who I call family that were there for me, that helped me through. When I look back, I, I remember. I remember that God is my healer. Before I was ever born, the doctors told my mom she had come down with a very rare disease and there was a good chance that her son was not going to be born at all or going to be severely mentally ill. And, and she was very worried. And she, instead of aborting like the doctor maybe suggested she should do, she decided that she would pray. And she said, God, if my son would be born healthy, then he will be yours and you can use him however you want to. I didn't know that that story was actually true until I was 16 years old and I told my mom that I I was going into ministry full time. I remember that God is my rescue. When I was also 16 years old, I was in the friend, I was in the car with a friend and she was driving for the first time on the interstate. She was really nervous. And I said as a joke, hey, stop the car real quick. Let's pray. And I said a little silly prayer. And I said, Lord, would you help Susanna not to be a scaredy cat? Amen. It only took about three seconds. And we got on the interstate and little did we know that a car was gonna come across the median and flip right in front of us. We slammed on brakes not to hit it. And when the cop got to the scene, he said, man, good thing you guys weren't three seconds ahead of schedule. I remember that God is the very breath in my lungs and in all of our lungs. When my daughter, who's just now five months old, when she was first born, she had fluid in her lungs and she wasn't breathing. And I remember praying and at the mention of his name, she spit out the fluid in her lungs and she began to take her first breath. I remember that God is my only option, that he's the only reason why I'm standing here today. I have no plan B. He's everything that I've got. When I look back, I remember, and friends, you may think to yourself, that's not my story. That's great that that happened for you, Ross. But let me tell you something. Even if he never did any of those things for me, and if he, even if he never did anything for you, and even if he never does another thing ever again, he's already done enough. When I look back, and I remember, I remember the cross and I remember it's finished, it's finished. So you may be here today and you're thinking to yourself, that's, that's not my story, it feels like my story's not finished or I'm finished but it ain't a good finished. Just wanna encourage you today, Jesus died for you too. He died for your situation. And even though it doesn't seem like it's finished right now, he says it is. I've read the end of the book. I know how it ends. It's good for us. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't have that relationship with the Lord. I, that can change today. That can change today. His invitation is, I did this for you. Come home. Come home.
with every head bowed in the room and every eye closed. Just every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask a very simple question today. If you're here and you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, and you'd like to make that decision today, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are. If you're watching with us online, you can say, that's me in the chat. They'll get you. They'll get you. Is there anybody here that today would like to make that decision? Thank you. I want to pray for you, Jesus. We're so thankful for you, for your grace that saves us, for your grace that has set us free and sustains us. Father, that the cross, it reminds us that we need each other. We need community. That it reminds us that you identify with our humanity. There's not one thing that we could ever encounter or experience on this earth that you have not gone through yourself. You identify with our humanity. God, I'm thank you. I'm, I'm so thankful that the cross helps us remember the grace that's always been with us. How many times you've saved us and we didn't even know it. How many times you were looking for out for us and we didn't even see it. Father, we love you. We thank you for those that have made the decision today to follow you. If you made that decision today, we'll give you further instructions here a little bit later in the service of what you need to do. But Lord, we, we are just so thankful for who you are, for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.